The Joyful Friar podcast is made possible by the generous support of our friends. To support the podcast, please visit nathan-castle.com and donate today. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Joyful Friar podcast. I'm Father Nathan, your host, assisted today by my friend Toto. As you can see, he's uh, got his little jingle bells on. And this is the, we're recording this on what you might think of as the third day of Christmas, the December 27th in the uh, Catholic Church. That's my spiritual home. This is the Feast of St. John, um, the Apostle, the Evangelist. He's um, in, in John's Gospel. There's a recurring reference to the disciple, the one Jesus loved. Well, the tradition assigns that role to John the Evangelist, kind of thinking of that as a way that the author um, humbly references himself in the story without putting his name in it all the time. On the other hand, it, it, as a writer, that's a device that you could use to make it easier for the reader to enter the story and uh, in imagination that imagine themselves being the one Jesus loved because that would not be fantasy that would be um, reality because we're all very loved so anyway it's the, it's the feast of John the Evangelist and so today we're going to do a little podcast for you but I was um, in my little morning prayer I was looking at the readings for today and there's some of my favorites for those of you that are, that are um haven't been trained in a religious tradition or whatnot and in the ions world that i live in international association for near-death studies there are lots of people who have experiences of one kind or another and many of them uh, uh talk about being light beings you know uh, i believe that i'm a light being i believe that toto is we're all energy at the at the most at a subatomic level and energy expresses itself as light, as brightness sometimes. And in the the Christmas story uh, in John's gospel, it begins with, it goes back to the beginning, to Genesis, where God said, let there be light, and there was light. Um, and then some people in their near-death experiences, uh, in fact, great a great many, talk about meeting beings of light uh, and that are visible to them in a way that uh, uh, is extraordinary. Well, uh, maybe some of you have had an experience of of some sort of apparition or of uh, some extraordinary manifestation of light. Um, but many of us have lots of ordinary ones when we allow ourselves to be light, to be transformed in the light and bring light into the darkness of other people's lives. So anyway, I'm still pondering Christmas because uh, it's a 12-day feast or sometimes even a little bit longer than that. Um, but anyway, that's um, that's a little entree into this story. The, the, this episode is the second of uh, three parts. You know, we do this when we introduce a new story from one of the Afterlife Interrupted books. And uh, right before Christmas, in the middle of December, we, we got the third book, Afterlife Interrupted, book three, please let me explain, live on Amazon. Uh, in fact, later today, I'm going to be in the recording studio, uh, beginning the audiobook version of book three. 
But one of the stories in book three is uh, is called Tony Tinkerbell and the Floating Anthonys. Last week's Joyful Friar episode told his story in brief. He was a young Italian man, about 23 or 4, uh, working a temporary job. Uh, he did not want to be involved in family businesses. His, his parents, aunts and uncles all had small businesses, but they quarreled a lot. And he didn't want to join any one of them and then be pulled into their drama. So he's working a temporary job as a laborer, uh, roustabout kind of in, a, in the oil and gas industry and was inside a refinery when he was... Um, killed in a, an accident involving a van uh, tumbling down a uh, an incline toward water uh, inside a refinery. Well, anyway, you can go back to that story either in the book form, in book three, or at last week's podcast. So I told the story, and this time uh, uh, I want to go into a, what I call compassionate response to his stories. Not very many people have heard the story because it's it's relatively new. But as they do, um, I'm sure that I'll get uh, you know uh, listener and viewer feedback. But already, um, I was thinking about one of the parts of compassionate response. Compassion means to suffer with, and some of you in my listening and viewing audience or reading audience are attracted to this kind of material because of suffering in your own life, perhaps the loss of loved ones sometimes suddenly. That's particularly acutely felt by parents whose children die before they do. That always seems so outside the natural order of things. And of course, Anthony did die suddenly uh, at about 23 or four and uh, but the way he described his death uh, might help you. I hope it does. One thing that he mentioned that I that recurs a lot is that even though he died violently, uh, he, he he had a sense of humor about it. Do you love anybody who has died who had a great sense of humor? My dad did, and at his funeral there was a lot of laughter. Uh, at least at the funeral part, uh, people, he was a practical joker and people got on a roll. Someone mentioned one of his jokes and that reminded somebody else of a different one. And there was a lot of laughter all throughout the room. I, I, uh, if, if you know somebody who has died and whose absence you feel painfully, I hope you'll keep in mind that when we move along, uh, our personalities go with us. And the fact that somebody died in a tragic way doesn't necessarily mean that their sense of humor died. They they had, uh, <laughs> sometimes they were referred to their violent death as a very bad day. And then they go on. And maybe they can even find irony or humor in the odd circumstance in which they died. In fact, that Tony did that. He, he you, you can go, refer back to last week's podcast about how he, thought of himself as in a comics uh, uh, with everything happening at once. So um, he was spared pain at the end. He, he mentioned, you know, my death would have appeared to be painful to the people who uh, mourned me. But in fact, he said, my guardian angel, whom he named Tinkerbell, 
did a really great job of pulling me out of that violent circumstance before I could really feel pain. He was out of body when his body um, suffered death. That's He was trying the best he could to explain it, but he said, Tinkerbell got me out of there in a hurry, sat me down on the side of the road and said, you can look over there if you want, but you don't have to. Uh, your body carried you through a great many things, but it couldn't carry you through that. You understand you're over here and you're safe with me. Um, and he said, of course, yes, I do. So one of the things I appreciate about Tony that might help you uh, in your own grief or anticipating what our own deaths might be like is Tony was adaptable in the moment. When his guardian, Tinkerbell, said to him, he, he named him that, but said to him, do you understand that you're here with me and you're safe? Well, he did. And he didn't, I mean, it was just, it was a, a, a plain fact. And so he adapted and said, yes, I do understand. And his guardian said, well, stay right here until you say the word. And then he thought, Tony thought, why would I want to sit on the side of the road inside a refinery if, if I have a better offer? So he took the better offer. It didn't, it didn't take him long to do that. He just adapted to his present moment. Sometimes, have you heard the phrase situational awareness? It's often uh, used in trainings about um, personal safety. Uh, one of the ways to not be situationally aware is to step into a crosswalk uh, wearing earbuds, listening to music. You're not paying attention to the, the sounds of traffic and so on. I see it around the University of Arizona where I live. Uh, a lot of college students have grown up in the digital world and are used to having uh, their their minds distracted by podcasts, maybe, I don't know, uh, their music or something, and not particularly aware of what's going on around them. Well, uh, Tony had great situational awareness in the moment that preceded his death and in the moments afterwards. And because he could pay attention to what was happening right around him, he could re respond to it uh, and act in the moment. Um, sometimes grief can pull us out of our moment and um, tempt us towards reliving past moments. If only I had said or done this or that, or uh, reminiscing about bygone uh, happy times with a sadness that they'll never be again and so on. That that kind of thing can pull us out of our present moment and um, not serve us well. It, um, when I have to grieve, um, you know, naturally some of it takes you into the past with experiences that you had with the loved one, but I try not to um, lose track of the, my situation, my present moment, because I do believe there are new graces, new blessings to be had in the present moment that I will miss if I'm only ruminating over past things. Or you can do it the other, you can go into the future and be frightened about all kinds of things. It's situational awareness can help us be in the present moment and be pre open to the present grace. Uh, one, of the, the, um, one of the things about grief in my experience is that um, it can make us feel deprived of something that we'll never have again. That would sadden anybody. On the other hand, uh, one of my metaphors for life is uh, The Wizard of Oz because my first book was about Oz and I have a great love of that story. If you just follow the path, if you if you will consistently 
uh, put one foot in front of the next and be open to the next experience along the road, you never know. You you come to a, um, a crossroads with a stranger who's a scarecrow whom you've never met. And within a couple of minutes time, you're new companions and he's traveling along with you and there's a friendship uh, budding. Same thing, you know, you move in that story, you meet the tin man and the lion and before long, you have a community of uh, unlikely people and people very dissimilar from one another that you would have never expected would be a part of your life. If you're just open to the adventure, I found that uh, that you can end up having a really creative life and you don't necessarily have to mourn uh, the absence of uh, Uncle Henry and Annie M constantly. That certainly in Dorothy's story was a recurring theme, but it didn't blind her to the fact that there were new people to love and new people to serve, new adventures to have. Anyway, I think Tony had such a, a spirit. He he manifested that he was quite ready to uh, meet new people. He 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 called his guardian angel angel Tinkerbell because of the beginning of Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. When I was a child and color television was just beginning, that was one of the most vibrant. It was one of the earliest shows to be in color, and it, it, at the opening each each Sunday night, there was a a, a full screen uh, picture of the magic castle at Disneyland and then Tinkerbell from Peter Pan with a wand that hit it three different times and each time I think it was primary colors uh, uh, reds, blues, yellows, whatever sparkling and, and making the whole thing light up anyway he had that image in his head and he he said all these angels flit about but, but this one uh, feels uh, uncommonly joyful and uh, and anyway, he he just named her Tinkerbell. Tinkle, I can hardly even say it. Tinkerbell. There we go. Um, so anyway, I I think that that's uh, uh, in in a compassionate response that Tony offers is just try to stay in the present moment and deal with whatever's in front of you, even if it's your violent death. There's still a next moment and a next moment and a next moment. Try to stay in those next moments if you can. Um, one way I think about uh, when I'm tempted in grief to feel like feel deep sadness because something I experienced with a loved one I'll never have again, um, or sometimes um, I'm not very prone to this, but sometimes people feel like life has passed them by and they never got to do something that was important to them. Uh, people in a young adult group, um, particularly women, at least in my experience, that were pushing 30 and hadn't married and didn't have kids yet and had some sort of a, a script in mind for their life that by now they should be married and they should have kids. And and then uh, sometimes as they got older to into their 30s, there would be a, a frustration and sadness that they were missing out on something essential to their happiness. But we're all, it's one life to the customer. We can't live each other's lives. But I was at least involved in their life to the point that they were sharing their uh, sadness with me. And I just try to encourage them to say, uh, none of us knows the course of our life. And uh, to try to be grateful for the gifts of the present moment and to be to receive love, magnify love, give love, serve others, um, 
and let that be enough and be grateful for what comes and, and try not to be uh, sad about what hasn't come. One can also live in joyful hope that maybe the hoped for thing will come. And one of the ways I do that is um, because I believe that I'm eternal and that's not just a religious idea, it's a fact of my existence that I came into being as a being who will never stop being. That if there are things that I didn't get to experience in this brief lifetime, and they stay important to me in eternity, I don't know whether they will or not, but if if um, if that if there's some experience that I didn't get to have here that stays important to me in eternity, I believe that I could ask God, who is the giver of all good gifts, may I please have that experience. Uh, we'll see. But anyway, Tony had that about him, that he just seemed to live in the present moment uh, and enjoy it. One thing she told us was that um, he, in high school, had already experienced kind of carousing and heavy drinking. And that even though he was a guy with a whole bunch of other guys in their early 20s, he said, we worked so hard that by the end of the day, uh, they were often like piled into motel rooms. Uh, and he said, uh, there wasn't a bunch of heavy drinking and carousing because we'd all worked so hard, we were tired. And he said, I wasn't attracted to that anyway. I'd seen enough of it. And I didn't want to work that hard and then waste my money. Well, that's sometimes I teach the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of knowledge. The gift of knowledge uh, is classically understood to be learning what every moment of your life could teach you. You've been through a thing like this before, and you know because you've experienced it that this is positive or negative, something that you want to take part in or don't. Uh, and, uh, and that you can look at your life as a school that's always giving you an opportunity to know more and more different things because of more and more new experiences. Well, for a young guy, Tony already had the gift of knowledge, at least with regard to what he called heavy drinking and carousing. He had seen it, maybe experienced some of it and just thought, nope, don't need that. Don't want that. So he had that gift of knowledge. Um, one of the things that was so strong in his story was the way he described his family to us, that he loved them and they drove him crazy. That it was a big, raucous, extended Italian family, many owning small businesses. He said he was working in somebody's small business from the time he was about eight or 10, at least in the back, uh, moving something around or whatever. He said, that's the way family businesses work. Everybody pitches in as they're able. But that that the, the aunts and uncles or the grandparents or whoever uh, were critis too critical of each other and got their feelings hurt too easily and gossiped about each other and he just didn't want to be involved in all that drama. That's why he wasn't working for any of them at the time of his death. But <laughs> he ran into his family in eternity and he called them the, the floating Anthonys because uh, they were uh, out of body. And however they appeared to him, it looked to him like they were floating. And, and he said, we could hardly name anybody anything except Anthony or some ver variant of that name, Tonette, Antoinette, Tony, Anthony. Uh, he, he said we were we were all some version of Anthony. But he said that they, they told him, you're going to enjoy being around us more than you did before because we're not allowed to annoy each other for all eternity. We have to behave like adults. 
I just thought that was great because whose family doesn't have some element of that in it where somebody doesn't get along with somebody else or there's somebody that uh, is annoying or whatever. Uh, that's just quite common. And maybe it's more than um, than something kind of surface or uh, superficial. Sometimes the family dramas are deep and painful and cause big splits and rifts. If that's been the case for you, you might look in joyful hope at, at Tony's story and say, maybe there is a version of my family that I haven't ever experienced yet. Maybe I'll one day get to meet my mature mom, my mature dad, or my mature aunt or uncle or sibling uh, in, in a way that we're beyond all the pettiness and all the grievances and uh, differences that cause pain. Anyway, he was enjoying being with the floating Anthony's. And then he said, and I got to meet the big guy. He knew about St. Anthony of Padua, the, the saint in the brown Franciscan robe. Uh, and he, he knew that some of the Sicilian ancestors, uh, the grandmas and, and great grandmas had a, a love for St. Anthony and kind of talked to him like he was in the room. My, my, my that was in my family, my grandmother, my parents all had relations with the saints, but my grandmother in particular, had a great love of St. Anthony, the same, the same Anthony. He got to meet what he called the big guy. And, and then he, he enjoyed saying that uh, he's really kind of a normal guy. Uh, he, he talked a little bit about how uh, Italian men would often go toward the church and then smoke on the steps while the women went inside. And he said something like uh, a, lot, a lot of Italian guys didn't like the messages coming from the priests uh or the uh, the old women that they needed to change themselves somehow in order to fit in, that you couldn't tell an off-color joke or uh, use a cuss word or something like that because if you did, you know, the roof would collapse or something. He, he said um, that Anthony showed him that he was kind of a regular guy. He said it's not like he was hiding some crazy wild side, but that he just let me know uh, and showed me that he was really kind of normal and fun to be around. And so that if that if that's not a part of your life already, I just grew up with it. It seems so natural to me. But if you don't have a relationship with any of the holy ones, any of the saints, the angels, uh, one's own ancestors, uh, that can be a part of your life if you want it to be. That would not be for this episode. That would be for um, more spiritual practice. But I'm I'm constantly if, uh, that might be a stretch, but at least daily, many times a day thinking of one of the saints of the angels or one of my deceased loved ones um, and talking to them. That's just part of the way I go about my day. Um, one thing I really liked about uh, Tony is the idea of no regrets. Um, he mentioned that uh, he had died with a bunch of other young men and he didn't go with them. He said, maybe it works that way somehow. It just didn't for me. But he compared himself to other young people who die suddenly and said, at least I wasn't married. At least I didn't leave small children. That what I went through might have been harder for some of the other guys that died in the same accident or other people that die young. He said, at least I wasn't married. At least I didn't have kids. Um, he, uh, he just tried to contextualize his experience and say, it could have been worse. <laughs> it, what could have been worse than dying in a van that could have uh, burst into flames or drowned you in a 
nasty water inside a refinery. But he had that gift of just saying, you know, uh, I'm okay. Uh, and he didn't have regrets about, dang it, I'm, I, I got yanked out of my life before I could be married or before I had kids. He just didn't approach it that way. He just said, it is what it is. I, I like that. And then we asked him at the at the end, you know, we always do two conversations. We do the one uh, after we've received the dream uh, and go into prayer, protected prayer, and help the person do the crossing that they need to do. But if we feel like their story is one that we'd like to tell publicly, we don't do that without permission. So we go back and ask a second time, uh, would, would it be okay for us to speak of your story or include it in a book? And we did that. Uh, it, it, they understand that, um, that they have an opportunity to say something that will be remembered in print. So, uh, if you want to be remembered for something that you said, here's your chance. Well, and, and because this is the, in the third book, many of them have accessed uh, this, the previous books of the people that were in them, and they've done a little study. Uh, and Tony understood that he was being invited to give advice to you. And so he took the opportunity to say, hey, go fast, get over it. Whatever you got to do in terms of grief or, or coming to truth or human growth, uh, overcoming obstacles, whatever it is, go fast. Get on with it. And he, he also said, even if the work that you feel, I'm talking about spiritual and psychological work that you need to do, even if it seems impossible, that it's beyond your strength, push against the limits, whatever you think the limits are. He said in his experience that every time he did that, uh, resources that he didn't know existed showed up. And he, he had power and strength supplied by others to meet the challenge. So he said, you know, everybody can do things their own way and there's no shame in going slow if that's what you want to do. But he said, if you, if you want to hear any advice I have to give, go fast. Uh, and and he, he said it in a way that I thought was very appealing. Like, you're going to love it. You're going to be grateful that you went fast if you choose to go fast. If you don't, that's your own business. But uh, if you want to listen to anything I have to say about it, uh, don't plod along thinking you can only do this much and no more. Ask for the help to go deeper, higher, broader, uh, whatever. Work on your your whatever it is you need to work on and advance. So that's enough for this episode. Uh, next time will be the third of three. We'll go into some spiritual practices that might assist you uh, that uh it kind of uh, evolve out of the story of Tony, Tinkerbell, and the Floating Anthonies. But for now, that's this episode of the Joyful Friar podcast. I'm grateful that you've joined me. Remember, I am praying for you. I'm grateful that you spend time with me and with these stories, and I wish you all the best. God bless you, and have a great day. Bye now. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joyful Friar. Please like, follow, and subscribe. You can visit me at nathan-castle.com. Send me a message 
by clicking the contact button. God bless.